You're listening to my friend's place on a BGUT LP game zone. A worst case scenario is that you unleash hell on your kids. This time of year, fall harvest is heavily celebrated in their household, but Halloween is not. It grieves me, the thought of exposing our kids to darkness. Gooch says there's a spiritual war being waged against homes in America, and Hollywood is part of the problem, and right now, one film in particular. The whole movie is based on witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. In a recent Facebook post, Gooch advises moms against letting their kids watch Hocus Pocus 2. I believe whatever comes in our TV screens, there are things attached to that. I've seen for myself the things that I've watched with my eyes or heard over a TV screen, they become manifested in, in real life. Everybody thinks it's fake and innocent, but they could be casting any type of spell that they want to. Anything could be coming through that TV screen into your home.
urban suburbia Summer half of the mere With three hours of plasticine Vehicle storm clouds of blue head letters On freshly poured concrete seas To the Holy Ghost on late night TV Live a spot and polyester She was the prom queen This little black old town is bringing me down I guess there's no more There's no way Police hide in a cereal box Parties with fried chicken pots Flew in paparazzi shots With concession stands for angry mobs Coladas and echoes This whole world is licking out through the holes in his socks Must have misplaced his innocence Cause nothing can be lost This little black old town is But for bringing me to I guess there's no more room For one more crying clown there's no way
bygons Thank God you know your ways All this stems is true What bother real in you? Just leave it all 
All right, that is Soft Kill. The song is The Line. It features Ruth Radley, and you're listening to a Halloween edition of My Friend's Plays here on WGOTLP Gainesville. We'll talk about exactly what that means here in a second. But before we do so, let's go over the music that you heard in the warm-up mix this week here on My Friend's Plays. Got the Halloween theme going with a new song from a band called Slaughterhouse. Song title, appropriately enough, is Halloween. Then after that, you had Uni and the Urchins with Subhuman Suburbia. Then it was Teleman with Short Life. Uh, the new music from Phoenix called Winter Solstice. And there you go. You caught up to everything you heard in the warm-up portion of the program this week. So the idea for the Halloween uh, special this year for uh, my friend's place is I wanted to go back and watch some uh, classic movies I had never seen uh, that are pretty well known within like the horror community with horror things, um, things that I probably should have seen already, but for whatever reason, I never did. Uh, so the original idea was to try and go back and see something from the 60s, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I was kind of successful and kind of not successful. But what I definitely was successful at is getting the 60s because the first movie that I'm going to review uh, here on our Halloween episode is a very, very famous movie. Uh, famous enough that it actually got a really bad remake from John Carpenter that I've actually I've never seen that one. Um, I've only just now seen the original and it's called Village of the Damned. Now, Village of the Damned is a 1960 black and white movie and it's been referenced so many times in uh, pop culture through the years because of all the little creepy kids that have the blonde hair and the glowing eyes and they can take over your mind. Um, so I've seen those referenced like on The Simpsons and uh, just in pop culture in general. Um, so much so that I actually knew, uh, I've seen like the ending of the movie, um, probably like on one of those shows that counts down the 20 greatest horror movies of all times that shows you parts of them. Uh, so I knew the exact ending of the movie even though I've never seen any of it other than like on clip shows. Um, what I didn't really know and I, I actually really enjoyed about Village of the Dam was the setup of the movie which basically takes place, the movie's only a little over an hour long so we're talking about the first 30-35 minutes of the movie and what happens there is a really interesting setup because everyone in the small British village passes out suddenly and then when the women awaken guess what turns out that they are pregnant which i think is an amazingly uh, interesting premise for a movie especially one that's 62 years old okay so this would be something really interesting maybe to revisit uh, uh especially with, like the uh, challenges to uh the autonomy of women's bodies with the abortion uh law changes um, but yeah, this is really way ahead of its time. And um, that's basically the first half of the, the movie, is how these women get the news, and how they deal with it, and what does this mean um, for my family, what does it mean for the children, uh, which I said before is really a crazy, dark, dark setup for a 1960 movie. Um, the second half of the movie is more just about the freaky alien kids, have these psychic powers, and a propensity to uh, murder the locals in the village when they get mad at them. Uh, not too unlike that uh, very famous Twilight Zone episode with Billy Mommy that was remade into the movie, and one of the most famous black and white episodes where all the people are afraid of making him mad, which I'm going to assume 
they kind of maybe borrowed from this movie because uh, I think this movie came out before that episode. But um, Village of the Damned has a really amazing and iconic ending, which I'm not actually going to spoil for you, even though it was spoiled for me many, many times, many years ago. Uh, just in case you want to check it out on HBO Max. I'm not a person that goes back and watches a lot of old movies. I like uh, color movies, sorry. But this is one I would recommend you uh, check it out, especially if you're a horror fan like myself. And you can find it right now on HBO Max. So it went from the 60s up to the 70s. And I'm a Brian De Palma fan. And there are quite a few De Palma movies I have not seen. And among one of the more famous ones is this movie called Sisters. It's from 1972. And it's an early De Palma movie, like maybe the second or third one he did. And it is still, at that point, he is heavily channeling numerous uh, Hitchcock movies and is not ashamed at all for, for the viewers to know that. Uh, it's pretty obvious. Um, the movie Sisters is set in New York, which looks great on the screen in 1972. He's still kind of got like the run-down, kind of seedy version of New York happening. And it also happens to star uh, Margo Kidder, who you probably recognize that... A name if you are close to my age because she played uh, in the Superman movies, um, Lois Lane. In this one, she played a formerly conjoined twin who has been medically separated from her twin for quite some time. And the basic plot for Sisters is directly taken from Alfred Hitchcock's rear window where someone witnesses a murder looking through a window in their apartment building. And it's a trope that's been used many, many times in movies, not just a rear window or this movie in particular. Um, and Sisters has a lot of like the normal Brian De Palma staples, like a really weird movie score and lots of split screen action. Um, it's not maybe, in my opinion at least, maybe not a great movie, but it is a lot of fun. And if you uh, particularly like the paranoia thrillers, which were coming out one after another in the 1970s, um, one of my favorite all-time movies is a paranoia thriller from the 70s, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland, which is a much better movie. But if you like that style of movie, like paranoia thrillers, then uh, check out Sisters on HBO Max. Um, anyway, let's get into more music, and coming out of each of the breaks, I want to feature something that's Halloween-themed, and I heard this um, maybe a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, I was kind of reminded of the song, Watching Halloween Kills, which has a great soundtrack, very divisive among fans of the franchise, whether it's a good movie or not. What is definitely good, though, is the soundtrack, which you have uh, from John Carpenter, and also some really good songs picked out. Um, for the other half of the soundtrack. Anyway, it's a long way of saying I uh, heard this uh, song two weeks ago on the Halloween Kills soundtrack. It's The Cramps. I was a teenage werewolf. <laughs>
find myself
that's a new one from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard Hate Dancing. And you're listening to Halloween special of my friend's place on the BGOT LP Gainesville. Before that, we started out that set with a Halloween theme song from the Cramps called I uh, Was a Teenage Werewolf. Then it was new ones from Young, Young Fathers. I saw after that uh, one you've heard a couple weeks down around, becoming a big fan of this group called Jobber. And that song is Heel Turn. After that, you had Nick Hakim, Feeling Myself. And then another one that's kind of become a staple of my friend's place the past couple of weeks. For the third week in a row, you're hearing the new song from LCD Sound System called New Body Roomba, which is from a film they did, uh, I think, a score for, actually, or at least some music for, called White Noise. And there you go. You're all caught up to everything you've heard this week here on Halloween edition of my friend's place. Uh, so if you missed the first part of the show, kind of explained what I'm doing this year for Halloween, which is the original idea. I was going to go back and try and watch a classic horror movie that I've never seen from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I did really well with the 60s and 70s, and I actually did really well with the 80s. Um, because I kind of got stuck in the 80s. Uh, so earlier you heard me review uh, Village of the Damned, something I really like and I really recommend for other people. You also heard me recommend from the 70s, Sisters from Brian De Palma, which I didn't like quite as much as Village of the Damned, but I still recommend. Uh, now we're going to get to a couple from the 80s. And the first one um, of the four movies that I'm going to review time period-wise that wasn't super into it's called my bloody valentine which is a 1981 slasher movie that was always on hbo when i was a little kid and i'm still pretty amazed uh to this day that i didn't actually watch it late at night because uh, it seems like something i would have been into when i was like 12 years old and so uh what is my bloody valentine uh not the band which i don't think is actually uh, named after the 1981 movie I think it's kind of a coincidence, or at least that's what the band says. But anyway, uh, My Bloody Valentine from 1981 is a slasher movie. It also happens to be one of um, Quentin Tarantino's favorite slasher movies, which I found a little bit interesting. And it has actually one of the best slasher uh, villain movie gimmicks of all time, with this man kind of dressed up in the traditional coal miner outfit with the helmet and the uh, gear, uh, sporting a pickaxe and an oxygen mask, which does make for a really kind of a cool aesthetic and costume design for a serial killer. And of course, um, it's got a gas mask on, so the breathing is very reminiscent of like Darth Vader as he's chasing the people around. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I'd say the movie is uh, kind of pretty silly, but if you're looking for something kind of more like a parody or something fun to laugh at, um, I, My Bloody Valentine might be your movie. What it isn't is very scary at all, but it does have some really interesting, like, uh, creative, inventive kills, especially considering that the movie is uh, 40 years old at this point. Um, so there are some really fun parts of the kills, especially when they get down <laughs> into the mine, because um, this takes place at a mining town. That's why the guys were in the coal miner outfit. And basically the setup is um, 
they haven't had a, a Valentine's party in 20 years because there was an explosion in the mine one year killing some people and then the next year uh, someone took revenge on the people that caused the explosion. So yeah, it's got the same exact setup. Uh, actually, it's Footloose. We're not allowed to have a Valentine's party like you weren't allowed to dance in Footloose. Uh, so of course, the kids in this really small coal miner town, and by kids, I mean actors that look like they are in their mid-20s, but I think they're playing people that are supposed to be closer to a, a college age. Uh, they get together and they really, really want to have this Valentine's Day party, um, which at first... The uh, town uh, elders, or the town leaders, I guess, they give them permission, and then things start go going totally awry. Um, and the best part is, eventually, the people that have decided to have the party, uh, that's been since canceled, because there's some killings going on, they decide, of all things, like, hey, let's go down into the abandoned part of the coal mine, um, so that the authorities don't know we're having our party down there. And that's where, like, the action gets pretty good and, like I said, some pretty inventive kills. But overall, a very goofy, goofy um, half comedy. Like, the first half of the movie is kind of like a, I don't know, it's like Porky's almost. That, that kind of silliness going on in a 1980s movie. And then, like, 30 or 45 minutes of the movie is kind of a guy chasing these kids around in a coal mine. Uh, picking them off one by one, and like I said, it's got some interesting kills. So, uh, My Bloody Valentine, that's the only movie of the four classic ones I'm going to review this week. That isn't on HBO Max, but it is on Hulu. Check that out. There's also a remake of it. I think that came out like in 2006 that I haven't seen the remake either. Uh, then, moving on from that, 1982, this movie I actually really like. It's called The Hunger. Now, I've known about The Hunger for a long time because it's got David Bowie as a star. And also, um, I've seen the, the title sequence on 120 Minutes on MTV many, many times because um, they lifted that for the Bauhaus video for Bella Lugosi's Dead because it's got uh, Peter Murphy uh, performing kind of like in a goth club at the time. So I've seen that at least 20 or 30 times, if not more. Um, I really didn't know too much about like the plot and uh, anything else about The Hunger. So here is what The Hunger from 1982 is. And I'd say, like, first off, along with Interview with the Vampire um, that came along, movie-wise, like in the 90s, and then Let the Right One In, which I think came along in the 2000s, I gotta say The Hunger from 1982 has one of the more interesting um like modern takes on vampires, not the traditional uh, guy with a cape, you know, chase people around a castle. Um, it also has a really star-studded cast. The Hunger does. You got Susan Sarandon. You got the great French actress Catherine Deneuve. So I get to show off some of my uh, French-speaking skills there. And as I mentioned before, David Bowie and uh, one of his most famous, I guess, leading actor uh, roles. Uh, so David Bowie plays this vampire who all of a sudden, after a couple of centuries of not aging, he finds himself suddenly aging really, really fast, uh, which leads to some pretty amazing makeup effects on David Bowie, um, which are still unbelievable even by 2020 standards. Of course, in 2020, you wouldn't have the makeup effects. You'd have CGI uh, effects, which aren't nearly as cool or um, realistic, to be honest with you. Um, but besides the great makeup effects, uh, the movie itself, 
looks really stylish and the way that it's shot is absolutely gorgeous and uh, just for that alone is a reason to watch it um but it's also like kind of like a historic uh, milestone because it is one of the first major major movie releases um, to feature a love affair between two women in this case you have uh, Catherine Deneuve and uh, Susan Sarandon that I mentioned were the stars at the beginning and I was really kind of interested in the history of LGBTQ uh, films and this one's kind of listed like in the top 10 because like I said it's a big picture it's a wide release and it's featuring like I said love affair and a sex scene between two women, which I thought was super interesting, and um, you know, now, 40 years later, you wouldn't even you know bat an eyelash at a scene with two women kissing, but in the early 1980s, it was really uh, something, I suppose, but um, it's also, like I said, a really original take on the entire vampire legend, and for a 1980 movie about vampires, it's really, I'd say the, I don't know, it's like an anti- vampire vampire movie uh, it has nothing to do with Dracula or garlic or crosses mere reflections none of that so that was kind of what you were getting in vampire movies um, up until like I said in the 90s when you had uh, Anne Rice and Interview with the Vampire kind of come out uh, and it's also interestingly enough it's directed by Tony Scott um, who's a very well-known director and The Hunger, this weird kind of gothy, lesbian, bisexual, uh, weird vampire movie, was the very uh, last movie he did before he went on to direct. Guess? Gotta guess? You would never guess it unless you know Tony Scott. Uh, from The Hunger, he went on to direct Top Gun, like the most American kind of uh, standard movie of all time. So he goes from David Bowie as a goth, uh, you know, vampire, to Tom Cruise flying an airplane, which I thought was super, super interesting. And um, like I said, if you've seen the video for Bauhaus, Bella Lugosi's Dead on MTV 120 Minutes, you've seen like the first six minutes of the movie, which I highly recommend. You can find that one on HBO Max. So those were some of the classic movies I went back to see that I've never actually seen before. And um, uh, The Hunger and Village of the Damned are definitely my two favorites. And they kind of bookended everything. So um, both on HBO. Check them out if you get a chance. Earlier, I mentioned that playing um, music Halloween-related coming out of each one of the breaks. Earlier played uh, The Cramps, uh, Teenage Werewolf, which was part of Halloween Kills soundtrack, which I reviewed uh, over a week ago. Got another uh, song from that soundtrack, this time from the great John Carpenter, who didn't have much to do with the movie other than writing the original soundtrack. So this is John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, which I'm going to assume is his son, and Daniel Davies with The Procession from the Halloween Inn soundtrack here on Halloween edition of My Friend's Place.
from Moby. Song titles Rescue Me. You heard it last week on My Friend's Place and I like it so much. You've heard it two weeks in a row. Got that really classic uh, 90s, early 2000s Moby sound. Uh, so might hear it three weeks in a row if you listen next week. Uh, before that, leading things off that music set, doing my Halloween special this week. So from the movie Halloween Kills, which I reviewed uh, last week, actually a very divisive movie. Um, You'll have to watch it if you're a fan of that series and decide for yourself because uh, there's some people like myself that kind of like it 
and there's a lot of people that really hate it. I don't want to go specifically into the reason why uh, people seem to hate it so much, or some people do anyway, but uh, yeah, it's one we're checking out. It's a very interesting take on uh, the, the series and that trilogy in particular. But from that soundtrack, there's uh, one thing that's not up for argument is that uh, John Carpenter has great uh, ear and does um, unbelievable soundtracks. Um, he did the uh, original movie uh, for that soundtrack anyway, so that was him teaming up with, his, I believe, his son Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies. It's called The Procession uh, from that soundtrack. And then after that, two in a row you heard on that soundtrack. I uh, played this one last week as well, too. It's Johnny Goth, Come to Me, really like that song. Um, yeah, there's no argument that Halloween Kills has a great soundtrack, whether it's the original soundtrack written by John Carpenter or uh, the other songs they chose, like Johnny Goth. Uh, then you heard uh, Smidley, Another Devil, featuring Shiner and Knives, uh, another one you've heard a few times here on My Friend's Place. Kind of seemed like a pretty good pick for a Halloween special, Another Devil. Then it was Tobacco with, um, I can't say this word, on community radio or even, well, maybe FCC we can say it, but I won't say it because we're on community radio. It's called B. You have to use your imagination what the B stands for. Uh, I can't say the next word, which is Ass. And the next one is Moon. Um, after that, it's more electronic music from Clark called Frau. Then a new one from the CIA called Impersonator. And there you go. You are completely called up to all the music you've heard on this Halloween special of My Friend's Place. So the original goal uh, for this show was to go back and watch about a week's six or seven uh, movies in a week that I somehow had never seen and um that are all, like on every classic uh, top 100 horror list of all time. And I wanted to do some from each decade. So 60s, 70s, 80s. And I was going to try to make it to the 90s. But didn't quite get to the 90s. Because what happened is after I made it to the 80s, um, you heard my review of The Hunger and also My Bloody Valentine. Uh, right as I was going to do the 90s, two movies came out available for streaming. Uh, from 2022 that I really, really wanted to see. So, sorry, didn't quite make it into the 90s. Uh, maybe for another Halloween show some other year. But I'm um, going to do a quick review of these brand new 2022 horror movies that I saw. And the first one is a movie called Pearl, which is a follow-up uh, prequel to this movie X. Um, they're both directed and they were shot back-to-back -back by Ty West. Uh, in fact... It's really kind of unusual because X only came out in March, and here we are with Pearl, so they're separated by like a mere six months, which is really unusual in the movie world. So Pearl, um, it goes back in time to 1918, which I believe is about 50 years before uh, the events of the first movie X, and uh, Pearl is a really interesting tribute to early Hollywood like color movies. Kind of in the same way that X is uh, homage to 70s grindhouse, exploitation, and uh, adult movies. And tone-wise, they are almost complete opposites because Pearl is very much kind of like a traditional coming-of-age movie that you would have seen in Hollywood in the 50s uh, starring Mia Goth, who is outstanding in this uh, movie. Even more so than her work in X, where she played this character, the old version of Pearl, and an entirely different character. And based on this movie, and what I've seen X and other stuff I've seen from her, she is destined to be a breakout star. 
Uh, now, personally, I liked X more because I liked that 70s uh, time period more uh, and more interested than that, than like the turn of the 20th century World War One era. But uh, Pearl is great, too, and a really unique take on the Wizard of Oz movie and also kind of a mashup of, like I said, horror and traditional Hollywood movies from that, I guess, Gone with the Wind type era um, after they started becoming colorized. Um, I cannot over-exaggerate um, or go into hyperbole about how much um, Mia Goth does a tremendous job in this movie or how great the movie looks from a cinematography uh, standpoint. Um, it's really well acted. I've said um, Mia Goth, Pearl, amazing. Um, in a better universe, she might uh, get consideration for an Oscar, but... Since it's a horror movie, uh, probably not. And there are only like three or four other characters in Pearl, and uh, all those actors are good too. Um, so you could, if you've never seen Pearl or X, you could watch them chronologically. You watch Pearl, then X. Or you can watch them how, or how Ty West uh, filmed them, which would be uh, X and then the prequel, Pearl. Either way, they're really, really cool movies. And I'm definitely looking forward to the last in this trilogy. It's called uh, Maxine, which should be coming out fairly soon. Um, I think they haven't completely shot it yet, though. So that'll be really interesting to see what they do with that one. Then um, i got one more really quick movie, uh, which is Barbarian. And Barbarian just started streaming on HBO. Um, and there's been so much like buzz and talk about how great Barbarian is. And maybe a little too buzzy as um, I did like Barbarian, but I certainly did not love it. Um, the setup, Barbarian, is in rundown Detroit, which seems to be a popular uh, setting for horror these days. And um, Barbarian plays like on one of the newest and most popular uh, horror, tro horror tropes, rather, um, in movies right now, which is the Airbnb rental gone totally wrong. I mean, this is at least like one of five movies that I've seen in the past two years that um, use that trope. And that pretty much is the first half of the movie, which is really creepy and it's really fun. And you're trying to guess where the movie's going the whole time. And I really like that part. A lot better than the second half of the movie, which takes place after the twist. Okay, so this is uh, one of those uh, M. Night Shyamalan type movies where you know um, there's going to be a twist, like, um, you know, Bruce Willis was a ghost the whole time. Uh, so, not going to give away what the twist is, but, you know, that was kind of the big selling point of the movie, which became a little bit of a problem for me because, in my opinion, the big twist, it's just kind of okay. And, um,. But truthfully, I'm in the minority on this one because a lot of other people who I've talked to or reviews that have seen it, they really seem to appreciate the twist more than I did. Um, overall, I, I like Barbarian, but, another but, it had almost the same exact plot and plot points and style of another uh, recent horror movie that I actually liked a lot better. And I can't actually say the name of the movie. Because if I did, it would give away the plot twist of Barbarian. So um, maybe some other show I'll talk about it. Anyway, got about 
Uh, 25 more minutes until we get up to the top of the hour. So let's get into a little bit more uh, music. Here's one I just mentioned a second ago that I saw. Uh, the Hunger, 1980s goth vampire movie, which basically provided the music video on MTV for Bauhaus, um, Bela Lugosi's Dead. But also had another great um, performer, uh, a little bit like... Uh, Peter Murphy, I suppose. Uh, this one's from Iggy Pop. It's called Fun Time. And it was in the movie, but not actually on the soundtrack. So uh, if you're looking for the, a physical copy of the soundtrack, this song will not be on it. But if you watch the movie, it is featured in one of the scenes. So anyway, here's Iggy Pop, Fun Time. Thanks for listening to My Friend's Place on WGOTLP Gainesville.
Okay, that is new music from Unloved. Number in my phone, the Black Science Orchestra remix, and you're listening to My Friend's Place, the special Halloween edition. Uh, before that, from the Hunger soundtrack, you had Iggy Pop with Fun Time. Then it was Oversize with Dissolve. After that, you had Billy Nomates with a kind of a weird, interesting, cool uh, hybrid of country and electronic music, which I found quite interesting. So uh, definitely looking forward to more uh, original music from her. And there you go. I'm caught up to everything you've heard this week. Uh, quick reminder, if you want to hear this episode again, you missed part of it. Or maybe you want to hear an older episode of My Friend's Place or my other show, Cramela Mix Show. I'm easy to find online. Search for Cramela, C-R-A-M-E-L-A. And if you add Cramela Mix Show, it'll take you to that show and the show where I keep everything um, easy to find and download. Uh, while you're online, reminder, WGOT is on Facebook. We also have a um, webpage of our own, WGOT.org, where you can stream the station at your convenience. And also, we're on Patreon, so consider uh, signing up for Patreon. It's a monthly donation. You can get in for as little as $1 a month, and we really appreciate um, everybody that's a patron on Patreon. Um, before... I head out, hand things over to the next uh, great show host. I do a real quick rundown this week for my Halloween special. Decided I would go back and watch uh, some old classic horror movies I'd never seen. Got about two-thirds of the way done with that, and then two brand-new horror movies came out that I really wanted to see. So my uh, plan didn't go quite how I wanted it to, but hey, it all works out in the end. So here are my six movies in my Halloween uh, movie marathon. And I'm going to rank them from 6 to 1. Uh, first one, My Bloody Valentine, an 80s uh, slasher movie. It was okay. If I have to give it a number, maybe like 6 out of 10. Uh, then the next favorite out of that group that I saw this week was a new one from 2022, Barbarian. It's a pretty good movie, but for me, a victim of all the hype around it. I might probably give that one a 6 as well. Then at number 4, Sisters, which is a wild, weird uh, Brian De Palma 70s psychological drama and thriller uh, starring uh, Margot Kidder. And that would be like on a higher level. I'd be like a 7 out of 10. Then uh, the next one from the 80s, the goth vampire class, uh, classic The Hunger starring David Bowie. Um, give that one a 7.5. Uh, then my two favorites by far, uh, 1960 movie Village of the Damned, which is Twilight Zoney. Classic, but it really holds up great. Um, 60 years later, um, probably give that one like an 8 out of 10. And then the one that I just talked about a second ago, Pearl, the early Hollywood uh, color movies, um, Mishmash. Um, probably give that one an, an 8 too. You could pretty much, uh, that's 1A, 1B between Pearl and Village of the Dam. So thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back same time, uh, same channel next week. Hey, if you're heading out to Fest, um, have a happy fest. Say hello to Fred Souter. Um, he'll be out there working. Um, if you're doing Halloween-related um, activities, have a lot of fun. Uh, one more from my closer this week, and it's from a band that's new to me, at least. It's uh, Ruby, my dear. And this one's called Lose My Mind, which has kind of a nice little 80s vibe going through it, too. So um, until next week, I'll see you. Have a great weekend. <laughs>
Again, 